Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I am likable, kind, and worthy. I respect and honor my feminine relationships. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And this is your weekly love and sex and relationships and spiritual show, an emotional show, where we delve into all kinds of human dynamics. And today, Jane and I want to talk about women. Now, we've done this before a long time ago in another podcast, I believe we did one about... Um, supporting motherhood yeah, and... women who... Yeah, like the importance of the sisterhood and how we betray the sisterhood sometimes. Now, we're just going to take a slightly different or more specific angle today. Um, I'll start with this um, email that we got, or letter that we got through, letter, what do we say? Message. Letter. <laughs> letter that we got in pen and ink from the carrier. Next back in her Victorian era again. From the carrier pigeon. Anyway, on, on Facebook. So it, this girl wrote, um, she wants to know how to make friends with other women if you're an introvert. For some reason, I've always found it hard to become friends with other women, and I'm not so sure why. Um, and I, I'd like to sort of take that and run with it even further and say, I've known a select handful of women in my lifetime who, when I come across them, they tell me they don't really have any female friends, which to me is just preposterous. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have any female friends? Like everyone's got millions of acquaintances and friends and people from high school, people from clubs and groups and work and like there's people everywhere, right? And they tend to say no. They'll say something like, oh, most of my friends are always guys in high school or, you know, I'm still just, I feel more comfortable sitting out with the men at a barbecue than the women in the kitchen or, you know, I can't trust women or all the friendships I've had, I, you know, you can't get close or they end up burning me or whatever. And I've got a Rebecca theory that it definitely always goes back to women who have that story have usually had a very toxic or poisonous mother or a really strange or abusive relationship with their mother. Um, the flip side of that, which we may go into in, later in the half hour, is when women are too needy. So they actually are like leeches sucking vampirically off their daughters-in-law or their best friends or their work colleagues because they need so much validation and approval and constant attention for their inner child. Jane? Look, I feel that when I've met women who have said that they're a, I'm a guy's girl, you know, I, I hang out with the men, I'm much more comfortable with men, women are, you know, whatever, X, Y, Z, and they'll make some sweeping statement about women. And it is that they've actually never had role modelled what a good female friendship is. So they don't actually see the gifts of sisterhood. They don't see the beauty and the various levels that are brought to us from having a feminine relationship. The, the warmth and the support and the nurturing. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But it, well, it can be that absolutely those things. Mm. But it can be a lot of other things too. It can just be like the the sister of, of frivolity, you know, of fun and silliness and and giggly and lighthearted and not too serious and uh, it, I often look at my beautiful group of friends, the ones that are my soul sisters, the ones I'm closest to, and many of them will serve different purposes in my life. And that might sound a bit cold and harsh, but I feel that we often have this misconception that we look for whether a best friend or we look for a lover and partner as being that person that completes us, that gives us everything. And I'm a big fan of no one person is to be all things to you mm. outside of yourself. Yeah. So looking at getting, starting with getting role models of females that you would like to be friends with and maybe go to the celebrity world and think, you know, if I could be friends with anyone, what female would I be a friend with? And why would I want to be friends with that person? What qualities do I like about them? What do I think they would bring to my world? And then start seeing 
potential, those qualities potentially in women that you do know or women that you are meeting and be more open to what they could be bringing to your world. Mm. I think it's actually a also a protection mechanism of most female friendships are built in strength on shared vulnerability. And so I suspect that women who struggle to make friendships with women is because they struggle to articulate their emotional feelings and they struggle to share vulnerability. They were raised in an environment where that was a safe way to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, you know, we've done a lot on this show and I know I do a lot in my private practice. You know, it's always on men or the dad or the father figure the issues and patterns around, you know, how you date your father or you end up with these men that, you know, repeat the things that your inner child didn't get from dad. Da, 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 da. But it's really interesting when we actually look at the role of the mother and how she can affect us and floor us and traumatize us or make us insecure in in so many ways it's it's really really fascinating and you know it's interesting even when you go back to the the, uh, the archetypes and the fairy tales and stuff when you look at something like Hansel and Gretel who of course go through the woods and end up at the gingerbread cottage and they start to eat the gingerbread but actually it's a trap and it's a lure and it's one of these ancient kinds of metaphors like the mother is there to feed you to give you the sweetness in life to to make you feel safe to bring you into the warm home out of the wilds of the woods but these children go in and they find the opposite they find a mother that wants to well wants to kill them and eat them basically and it's where and they talk a lot you know in folklore about witches making stews and poisons and potions and things that that like whenever there's there's a story where the mother poisons the food it's such a big metaphor for you know, we're supposed to come into this life and literally feed off the breast and that's an energetic thing of the love and the mother and the nurture. But when the most nurturing figure in your life turns on you and actually poisons you or makes the world you live in unsafe, it's one of the deepest damages that can be done to the soul because the mother is the mother. And if you don't have the divine mother, you can be quite lost in the world. Now, obviously, there's extremes of that. There's extreme child abuse cases. But there's also many other just ripples and grey areas on the spectrum whereby perhaps mum wasn't the role model for you in speaking up to people in her life so you didn't see what a strong woman looks like perhaps mum never managed your own money so you don't you've got fears or blocks around being financially independent perhaps mum would always tell you you look beautiful but then she'd go in the mirror and complain about her weight so you've got these body image issues which you've soaked up subconsciously from mum's low self-worth on her body and so there's all these ways in which the primary caregivers the females the aunties the best friends that the other women that we were raised with have permeated us as women and deeply affect our female relationships in adult life well said oh thanks jane. very good beck <laughs> you can stay <laughs> jane and i'm thinking with social eight and with your your business work matchmaking and so forth you must get these types occasionally, women who come in, they come in probably to learn to socialise because they actually don't really know how to be comfortable in groups. Of yes, I have people friends. that come in to, to learn to socialise, exactly. And what do you do with those people? Put them at dinners. They're gorgeous. It's beautiful. But <laughs> I get them to socialise. Yeah, exactly, um, in a safe setting. But I also get them to uh, learn role modelling. Like, So I, I make sure that I put them at a dinner with somebody that I think is a good role model socially. Interesting. And that way they can start to mimic behaviour. And it is it is going right back to kindergarten where you've got to really look at the basics and then start adopting what you like and practicing it. Yeah. So you have to practice. You know, I remember speaking with a friend once who was concerned about her daughter who wasn't socializing well at school and wasn't making friends. And um 
And I remember saying to her, does she know, what does she, ask her what she thinks a good friend is. And this beautiful child said, a good friend is somebody who does everything that I want to do. And her mum said, well, what happens if they want to do something different? And she said, well, I don't want to be friends with someone like that. Hard line. Absolutely. (laughs) And so this beautiful child needed to be educated on how to be a good friend. What does a good friend look like? And how do you go about being that? So it's the same as in love. It's, you know, if you want somebody that's X, Y, Z, you've got to be X, Y, Z. If you want to have a beautiful friendship with a lovely woman, you have to be worthy of that. You've got to give it. You've got to be it first. You've got to feel it first. So it does come back to your own self-belief about are you able to be a good female friend and Mm. what does that look like for you and is that realistic? Now, friendships take all sorts of forms. You know, I've got the friends that, you know, Beck, poor Beck, and I've got a couple of other gorgeous goddess soul sisters that I I dump on as well where, you know, here's my challenge and we're madly workshopping it and coming up with the solutions. Then I've got the friends that I go to with parenting um, who have teenage girls as well. I've got the parents that are going through all of the nut sports when, you know, I've got two kids that are in the sports institute. Um, I've got friends that I just get together with and have a laugh. I've got the friends that I want to go and just escape and go to the movies or go out and dance. So it's looking at what needs do you have and opening up to possibilities of needs that you've not felt you've had and you could have. Like there might be a big chunk that you're missing because you've not been open to it that womanhood can give you, that friendships, female friendships can give you. Undoubtedly. And I'm going to postulate two theories here. If you are a woman who has traditionally either always sort of felt more comfortable with the guys than the girls or, yeah, you just don't really have any close females and maybe then you tend to lean on your boyfriends a lot or tend to always need to have that man in your life, which is another thing we should probably go into that they tend to do when there's no female energy. I think there's there's two scenarios that could be playing out here. One is you may be the product of a toxic, manipulative, passive-aggressive or poisonous mother. Perhaps your mother played a lot of games with her friends in her life, with you, with the other siblings, with dad, with all, you know. I've, I've definitely met those girls. And also, you know, the children who've come from mothers who were drug addicts or mothers who had addictions and all kinds of unhealthy, really deeply scarred mothers who did not parent as lovingly as as they possibly could, unfortunately. Um, the other the other one is I'm thinking of another friend of mine who this goes back to our alpha beta episodes. Now she's just always struggled with being in a female body. And she's not trans or anything like that. She's she it's it's not that I think it's more like a soul energy. I think she's had a lot of past lives as a man. She's very comfortable in a man's body. She's come through in this lifetime as a chick and she just doesn't quite like the whole do I really have to have babies periods and a vagina and breasts and I can't go and play sport and hold a bow and arrow and like you know that whole well you can but you know it's it's a real struggle with the feminine and it's this feeling like I'm not it's not comfortable or safe for me to be feminine feminine is weak feminine is soft feminine is dangerous feminine is not where I want to be or who I want to, you know it was all that kind of deeply encoded belief system stuff which then tends to make them go over more to the male energy uh, in terms of friendships and or seek out male partners who are weaker, softer, more feminine yin type men so that she wears the pants, she runs the show, she's bossy, and then he kind of is the goes to the flow. Is the feminine kind of version. 
So so all of that can start to play out as well. well now, the other problem with that too is that women in that scenario will ostracise other women. They will threaten other women because they'll often be very flirty and fun. Like they will use their femininity when they're hanging out with the boys. So the girl, so they'll be the girl yes. with the boys, but they don't want to be the girl with the girl. And you sometimes, like when I work with teenagers, you'll hear about the girl at high school and she's like, all the other girls hate me because I only want to hang around the boys and then all the boys want to go out with me because I'm so friendly and accessible and tomboy and I'm with them all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and all the other girls are so mean to me. Oh, look, I'll get that it. at dinners occasionally at Social 8 where I'll get, you know, a woman will say, please don't put me with that woman again because she was only interested in talking to the men and just ignored us and blocked us all out. Fascinating, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Please don't be that woman, people who are listening, because if you are, you're missing out on so well, much. Well, I actually teach people that if you really want to know about the character of a person, look at how they conduct themselves with their same gender. Oh, Jane. Oh, yeah, that tells a lot a about people. Such a pearl of wisdom. Just oh, I mean, thank you. So I, I can stay too. Yeah. <laughs> that just sums up the whole episode so concisely, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like when, 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 when you hear that advice when they say, when you're on a date, watch how the other person treats, you know, sta- uh, staff or yeah, exactly. or waiters or, exactly. you know, or homeless people or, yeah, people of other ethnic groups or whatever. And th- that's just one level further. How do they treat people in their own gender? And you Particularly know, when they're at a dinner for six and there's three guys, maybe there is a guy there that they like. It, it says a lot about them. Yeah, yeah, because their fears and their threatened stuff. And this goes the other up. way too. The guys like talking to the girls. I want to see that the men are talking to the men as well. Yeah, you know that this is a social engagement. That there is respect for everybody. Yeah, you know because if you you've seen you've got you've got the goal. There it is. There's a girl or a guy that I want to date, and you're going to now run to that finish line and knock everybody else out the way. Who wants really? to be someone like that? Exactly. <laughs> That's right. If you've got the ability to be cruel and mean and not have compassion and kindness to others while you're going for your goal, because this is about manifesting. Mm. You, you create. You don't compete. Tunnel vision. Actually, isn't let's it? do an episode on creating, not competing. Okay, don't show up. There we go. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's interesting, like, you know, if, if you're getting romantically involved with someone, look at how they talk about their father or their mother. Do Because, like, studies have now shown that, you know, men, for example, that really idolise their dads or hero worship them or have lots of good things to say about them and love being in their company, they're great blokes to be with because they've had, obviously, they've had that good role model. Look And look how look how the women are with their mums. So if you've met someone new, just slide into the conversation casually. So, you know, what, what, are you close with your family? What's your relationship like with your parents? Or what? Having said that, I want to add a tip here too because there are plenty of beautiful, high-functioning, gorgeous people to meet who have had crap upbringings. Yeah. And if they're able to say, you know, Unfortunately, I didn't have the best of upbringings. However, I've done a lot of work on it and I've come to terms with it. All is well. Mm-hmm. I'm not close with my family because it wasn't a great upbringing. Yeah. However, I understand and I've joined the dots and I've healed. Yeah. You know. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. That's but if true. you've got somebody that's mm-hmm. saying, oh, no, my dad was this or my mum was that and it's all negative and horrible, then, yeah, there's yeah. there's some signs there that they've got some work to do. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I, another phenomenon that I see a lot is when a girl has had, yeah, a mother who's really turned on her, they tend to grow up and from a very young age, let's say from 16 onwards, they're always in long-term monogamous relationships because they they just need that kind of almost rescuing or love or safety. So they, they look to the boys to give it to them. So they look to the, the lover, the partner, the whatever. So they get in these long-term very needy, very codependent, unhealthy relationships. That can also happen too if they've not had a great role model with dad. 
because a girl who does not genuinely feel loved by her father is emotionally vulnerable to the very first boy that comes along. Please love me, anybody will do. And so there creates the path of incredible neediness. Yeah. And they can turn into very unhappy adults or it can turn into a really toxic relationship. And when these women ever find themselves as in the result of a breakup or being left behind or rejected or abandoned and on their own, these kind of women discover they cannot function on their own. They don't have Yes, they won't have breaks in between a relationship. No, that's what I mean. They'll go straight from one to another. As soon as the road's rocky with one, the replacement's being picked. Yeah, yeah, because they have no idea how to be be an adult. How to be alone. Yeah. 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 So, right, Jane, what do we do with all this? So if you are recognizing yourself in what we're describing today um if you have had a parent who has not been the ideal role model for you for the gender that you are it's time to sit down and have a really good look at how you react to that gender in your life so do you get easily threatened jealous insecure by say the women in the office or when another friend on Facebook puts up something that she's just got a new house or a new baby or a new lover, you know, do, do, do you find yourself not being able, like having a really uneasy energy with being able to lovingly support other people's joys in their life? Do you, Jane, do you want to add to this list? Do you find yourself? Well, no, I think, no, you've covered that well. I'm feeling more that if you are in these situations, it's it's important first off to own it. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. Instead of just going, oh, no, I'm just not like that. It, it's recognizing that this is a part of you that's not completely complete. And own that that behavior is okay, but know that you can move through it. So the first part is acknowledgement of, you know, being consciously aware that you have been avoiding these people in the office, that you do have these feelings on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Then the next thing is to start parenting yourself. So it's looking at, as Beck's given some beautiful examples of whether it was, you know, mothers, fathers, whatever, start parenting yourself and letting go of the role model that you've had in your mother or father and start actively finding good role models. Gently place yourself in social situations where you can start to stretch. Yeah. It's really important that you take yourself out your comfort zone. You know, we get to a point in life where we actually, we, we do like who we are and we've learned to manage our lives quite well that we stop stretching and we stop exploring new possibilities, new opportunities, new connections. So then take a deep breath and say yes to that invitation that you've always said no to. Say yes to to going out and meeting new people and just put your toe in the water and start. And I want you to be really real about how you sabotage yourself. So let's say uh, a nice new female friend shows up on the scene and you go out for coffee with her and she seems lovely and then you start to get to know her and you might have a few more, you know, dates, so to speak, where you go out and see each other and, and hang out. You, if you're If you're the product of a toxic mother, You'll find you'll be looking the entire time subconsciously for reasons not to trust, not to go there. Just, just yeah, that you don't feel safe. Yeah, that you don't feel safe, and that the slightest thing that she presents, basically, you look till you find it. You'll look, you'll look until you create it. Then you'll shut her down, kick her out, say, "See, I told you, you can't trust any women," and you go back into your comfort zone again. And I've, I've, I've had this done to me. I've seen this played out. 
So I want you to get really real about how you've been holding yourself back, not giving people a chance, and how you may be trapped very much by your own limiting beliefs around this, your own fears and safety and vulnerability issues like Jane so beautifully articulated. Like it's it's very much just your little girl inside you saying, I don't feel safe, I don't know if I can trust in this environment, this is unfamiliar to me, I haven't been given or shown the evidence as a kid to know that it's okay to go forward. Um, there's a lot of it's fascinating, isn't it, how many grown-ass adults that are running around out there who actually aren't operating in an adult brain at all. So many people in the population are completely seven years old at any given time 90%. of the day. 90%. In fact, I had this conversation with an Indonesian dignitary uh, only a couple of weeks ago saying that every time that you see bad behaviour in your office, they're all operating from inner child. Chuck a tantrum. 100%. Chuck a tantrum. Absolutely. So... This is where, too, if you're on the flip side, you know, let's say that you are a beautiful friend and you know how to be a good friend and you've got great female friends and along comes somebody new that you can see struggles with that, but you, for whatever reason, believe that there's something lovely in nurturing or developing this friendship. Use this tool of inner child and when they do start acting up, whether they get, you know, passive aggressive is a classic that, that women will do when they're feeling unsafe or threatened in any way. Recognize that it's just inner child. Let it go and keep holding your energy as the beautiful feminine energy so that you are the role model to her of what a female can be when in female's company. You know, hold it and show people. We need to learn so much in life that we're not taught. And our gorgeous Love Life listeners can continue to be the role models in so many of these situations. And this one is one that will make you feel good about being a woman, about being feminine, about being the divine, about being connected and about recognizing that we've all got a story and everyone's got shit going on and everyone's got stuff that they're working through and you can hold that energy and be the role model and start to teach others by leading by example of how to be that friend. Absolutely. I think it's really interesting in the latest Steve Bidolph book, Raising Girls, he actually wrote it 10 years ago, but he went back and updated it because there's been so much happening in the last decade, obviously, oh, with the, the internet, advent yeah. of technology and all that and cyberbullying and everything. So he's gone back and he's, he's done this new version and it's a great read. No matter what age you are, and even if you're not a parent, um, because, of course, we live in a world that's surrounded with girls. But we and women. are a parent. We're parenting ourselves. We're parenting ourselves, and, we're, and we, we still play those roles in the community to all the other young lives around us that come into contact with us. And he's got this fantastic section in his book just devoted to the importance of the auntie where he says, you know, in, in you know times gone by when people really did all live in the same house or the village raised the child and communities were all there and nobody ever went anywhere, you know, Young girls had more options for female role models. They didn't just weren't just stuck with mum. You know, if they could go to mum's sisters or the other aunties, and Aboriginal, everyone calls everyone an auntie. You know, in in cultures like that, and it's this beautiful, necessary. um, What's the word? Um, Support network. Support that is needed for young children who feel that maybe they've got a question about their first period or their first kiss or their first boyfriend that they can't feel like they're too embarrassed to ask mum or mum's not available, she's One not of around. the reasons that children won't go to their mothers often, not always, but often, is because they don't want their mothers to see them in a negative way. 
You know, it's seeking parental praise and approval. And so therefore that is why it is so important to empower our children Mm. to have a handful of different people that they can go to. That's right. When they feel that they don't want to fall from grace a little bit from in mum's eyes or dad's eyes. But of course, if you're an older sister, if you're a friend who's never had children, if you're just anyone who's colleagues, bosses, cousins, um, supervisors, it's it's like the buddy system, the little sister, big sister system that they set up. Like find a child and give them some attention and some love, you know, that they might need another confidant in their lives. And you could be just that person. Or somebody that's younger than you, that's less wise that's less experienced in life and just take them under your wing and yeah give them some of this wisdom be that surrogate auntie to them i think that would be a beautiful gift to pass on um i'm always jealous of the italian greek and asian communities where they you know have multiple generations all living mm. under one roof yeah. and, and you know that their weddings 500 people a thousand people at a wedding because you've got to invite everybody yeah, yeah. Be, i love that thought oh, that'd so be beautiful there would be opportunity for plenty of drama if you were so that way inclined as well of a bit course, like dynasty of course. but but no i absolutely agree with what you're saying jane like i've grown up the only child of an only child with no cousins aunties uncles brothers sisters nothing just my mum and dad and me and that is a very 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 quiet little life and when my parents pass away i will be a genuine orphan like they're i'm the last surviving surname left in my family line and it's just going to be me and it's it's a very lonely and a little bit frightening feeling sometimes for me to feel that isolated that you know who do I call like that's where you have to make friends and I know that there's people listening who perhaps have ostracized themselves from their families for good reason and you've had to start again with your lives and your friends do become your friends are the sisters you've chosen exactly and that's why this podcast is so important and I've got you know friends that have got a couple of friends that are single that have really always wanted love in their life and it's not happened yet for them yeah i say yet because it will happen yeah however it hasn't yet and to them their friends are everything the lifeline and absolutely but i love that i love having that role to play in their lives Mm. it's an honor it's a privilege and and can i say on that note a beautiful thing to do which we've touched on before is if in your area you can google and find someone who holds goddess circles red tents they're called things like rebecca brown does in sydney see if you can go to like lunar or monthly gatherings of women because it's something that in the ancient world and in indigenous cultures was so understood like that whole um secret women's business it's just that whole importance of having the segregation every now and then of females because there's so much beautiful power to be gained by sitting in the divine feminine when it's held and done properly i also want to give another little incentive of of why it's great to make a new friend is that your old friends, you've got to justify why you've changed and grown and don't feel the way that you used to, blah, 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 blah. When you make a new friend, you're a fresh slate. They're meeting you as you are today. They're not going to say, oh, but you didn't feel that way 30 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's, and that's, that's beautiful. Look, history with friends is lovely too. However, a new friend is, is a fresh slate. It's, it's a new opportunity for you to present how you wish to be presented now and remember they've come in on the vibration you're currently emitting exactly so they are mirroring new you perfectly and they're here to give you that cool next quantum leap in who you are yeah. and where you're going yeah it's very validating and as i said right at the start about women who get very needy in relationships and i've known some of these too they actually almost treat you like you're this almost kind of like on tap boyfriend who's just there to supply them with the check-in phone calls the loving back rub the like whatever it is that they feel that they're constantly needing this little top up of their love tank and it's got to come from you and it's a very conditional friendship and it's it's just it can feel like being in chains because well that was me i was that needy oh jane yeah i was i was hard hard work 
Oh, yes, I've done many radio bits where I've apologised to. Sorry. And in a nutshell, that was coming from a feeling no, of No, that was coming from being highly sensitive. Oh, okay. That, that was because, oh, yeah, whole other topic. But the short answer would be because I was able to, and as an empath as well, although I didn't know that was a label back then, I was able to understand much more than I actually really wanted to understand. My feelings got hurt all the time, so I was constantly needing validation because I was receiving mixed messages. But there must be a self-worth thing underlying that, though. Oh, absolutely. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So if you have that, that needy friend in your life, I'd be asking yourself, what you're really getting out of it and do you need to put some boundaries in? Is it is it someone that you still want to be friends with but you're going to have to state quite clearly what works and doesn't work for you in that relationship or is it actually time to let them go because you've moved beyond that now and you don't need that kind of energy vampire sucking you? Look, I would encourage you to try the first, first where you have healthy boundaries and say this is what I feel the friendship would look like. I mean, I had to do that. When I really um, started to understand being highly sensitive, I sat down with a handful of friends that were really important to me and I just said, look, this is what I've learned about myself. Moving forward, this is actually what I need. And if you're comfortable with that, fantastic. If you're not, I totally understand. I know I am hard work and I respect that. And if you want to let it go, that's okay. But it was about things such as I need you to be articulating things to me very precisely. Um, I need you to I need you to be softer and gentler with me. Mm-hmm. Like I need you to sugarcoat things. You can tell me your truth, but you need to do it gently. And if you are the one that feels needy and constantly feels like you're worried about what other people think of you or you need all that proof and evidence from other people that you're good enough, you've got to have a wake-up call because it's nobody's job and it's nobody's responsibility in this lifetime to make you feel worth it, even your mum. Even your dad, even though I know it doesn't seem fair because they should be the ones to make you feel that way or your best friend, it's her job, or my husband, it's his job. It's not. It's your job to fill up your own love tank. I am likeable, kind, and worthy. I respect and honour my feminine relationships. You can find anything you need to find on lovelifeshow.com, coaching, counselling, events, seminars, back issue back issues what is wrong with me <laughs> archives of mp3s go and listen go go trawl back through all of our 122 episodes we've got some juicy ones way back early down the list you might have missed have fun doing that until this time next week have a really good look at all the relationships in your life this week and see where some improvements might be able to be made life is perfect i'm not trying it's just happening and it's a beautiful day